Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Welcome back to the Roker Report Extra. It's our second edition. You might be wondering what I'm doing hosting. Um, funnily enough, I'm actually a little bit of a pro at this. I run my own podcast, so they've given me the task of taking on, uh, speaking to footballers, but also fans of the next team that's probably going to beat us. Uh, we're with Wolves Fancast today. We're with Rich. How are you doing, mate? You all right? Hi, mate. Yeah, not too bad. Thanks, Uh Yeah, I'm not too bad, actually. The, the whole getting beat things, I'm getting used to it a bit more. One of them things, I guess, you know, when you've won two and you're in December, you kind of get used to getting beat. But, you know, it was a little bit galling, I suppose, the way we got beat. But, yeah, I'm not too bad. It, in myself, I'm all right. Well, that's good. I mean, you can't... <laughs> yeah, I mean, what is it? A year, nearly, since you won at Stadium of Light? I can't remember the... A We're approaching a year. <laughs> um, I that's a bad anniversary, isn't it? It's well, we're, we're breaking records. You know, we're good for doing that. Yeah, exactly. You know, that's the thing. You're in the record books. Doesn't matter how you get there. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, so you were playing on Monday. You, you had your derby yesterday. Would you class that as a derby, Birmingham? Is that a derby? Yeah, it is. It is. I think in the kind of grand scheme of things, I mean, what Wolves to Blues is about twenty odd miles. So it's it's definitely a derby. I think it goes. I think in Wolves fans' books, it goes sort of West Brom. Then Blue slash Villa, yeah. So it's it, it's definitely up there for us. I thought that, but you know what? Like people outside of the region class us and Borough as a derby, and it's not. No. So it's best to ask. But you won. You won one nil. I caught a little bit of it. Not too much, if I'm honest. I'm a little bit despondent with football sort of this <laughs> season. But I mean, you top of the league. You're the opposite to us. How are things like in the Wolves camp? And how was the game yesterday? Yeah, I mean, life's good at Wolves at the moment. You know, yesterday was a bit of a odd game because like it was almost like we played really well first half and we're 1-0 up and you know we're playing some great football and I uh, took the uh, foot off the pedal a bit second half and I mean Blues didn't have a shot on target but you, do you know it's like there's a lot of pressure and they're getting a lot of possession in our third but they're not really creating anything but the crowd is starting to build up there was a lot of that without them actually having any bite to it so yesterday I think they just wanted to get the three points they got the goal they knew we weren't going to be threatened and kind of carried on it's been like that for well most of the season as soon as kind of we've got a goal be amazed actually thinking back if there's been a game where we probably haven't scored first and gone on to win it's funny that kind of thing though isn't it I mean I, I, I mean I'm not uh, I grew up with Sunderland like in this division but at 31 we had the 10 years in the, the premiership but I remember I was looking back at the teams who came up sort of over the years and it's always been a case of teams that can win games 1-0 
that seemed to get the promotion. No, definitely. I mean, it's just about getting that consistency with the results. I think at the start of the season, we, you know, I think you need a basic average about two points a game to get promoted. Um, I think if you get 90 odd, I think it's 92 points, you'll probably finish first. And, you know, I think we got about 13 games into the season. It's after we'd lost, I think, to Sheffield United. And mm-hmm. we, were, we were on 26 points. And you looked at it, and it was almost like we won five, draw, you know, lost one, won five, drawn one, lost one. And actually go, okay, it's looking fairly steady. And I think that's the thing. Like, we've just looked consistently good. We've had very few really poor games. You know, that's kind of testament to the mentality at the moment. It's weird, like, being a Wolves fan. Like, everyone just seems to know what their job is on the pitch. You know, there's no... When they're on the ball, they don't panic. But, you know, they're all happy Mm. to move for one another. And, you know, a lot of fans, I'm saying, haven't seen football like this. It's not about ticky-tack of football having, you know, very good Portuguese guys who can dribble past players. They're all looking for one another on the ball. And yeah, it's good times at the moment. I think with them, with football, it's one of those things, isn't it? It's it's a really simple game played by idiots mm. um, sometimes, yeah. in, in it, our it, case anyway. You're completely kind of right. You know, football's a very simple game at the heart of it. And, you know, but don't get me wrong, we, we've got a hell of a lot of quality running right through our side. But mm-hmm. they play it as simply as you can get. And I uh, know, like, the, what I found anyway watching football for the last, what, 15 odd years, the best teams play almost just this simple brand of football. They're not trying to do anything flashy, but they'll tear you apart by, you know, te- you know, it's a 10 yard pass that kills you. It's not trying to dribble around five players. Yeah. And I think, you know, I wanted to talk about your manager because I'll be honest, I, I was sort of reading up on him and stuff like that and being in the division, obviously, Wolves and the money they've had, it, it does gain a little bit of headline, shall we say, but I didn't know too much about the manager Nuno but I was reading a bit about him but I remember last year you had sort of four different managers I think wasn't it has the improvement solely been down to the fact that you got a little bit more consistency with him or has it been a bit about him and the money or like what, what's been the big difference because you finished 17th last year it's quite a difference I think if you ask Wolves fans who are best signing has been this summer I think most of them will say it's the manager in terms of him changing the style of play he's used some of the players who are already at the club and implemented them correctly. He's got rid of a load of extra almost dead wood in the squads. Towards the end of last season, we had six centre midfielders, of which two, well, one and a half, two of them were actually half decent, and he got rid of them either on loan or moved them on. And that's half the battle. He's used his connections. You know, he's a ex-Valencia, ex-Porto manager, and he's managed to bring in Diogo Jossa, who was on loan at Porto last season. He's managed to bring in Willie uh, Bolly, who was on loan at Porto last season. Just a couple of little shrewd moves like that. We're playing a different system, but he's got everyone to kind of buy into it. And I think that's the important thing with him. What's I mean, the system been like? Has it been more like pass and, a pass and move? What's your formation like you play at the moment? 3-4-3. Three, three. So basically, yeah. how Chelsea have set up the last two seasons with uh, three at the back. We've got Connor Cody, mm-hmm. who was a centre midfielder when he joined the club uh, two seasons ago. Played second half of last season at right back and was solid and now plays in the middle of a three-man defence as almost a sweeper libero. Um, okay. You know, we've got two wing-backs who are bombing on and giving them a whip. You've got mm-hmm. Ruben Neves and Sace, who provide the passing of a metronome in the middle and then you know we've got what Dio um, Jota Cavalera and Bonatini up front and as I say he's looked at the squad he's kept for players who are useful for that system and if they don't fit the system so we had Dave Edwards who'd been at the club for I think it was nine and a half years and scored on Saturday actually 
yeah, uh, you know, he, he gets goals in this division. He scored for Redden on Saturday, he did. Yeah. Um, he's not a technically gifted player but speaking to him and interviewing mm-hmm. him on podcast he's a brilliant guy yeah. um, uh, but actually he'll get you goals he's a very effective player but actually he doesn't fit into that formation and we managed to move him on very amicably uh, because there wasn't a role for him as I say he's brought in players who will fit in that system and he's got players who he doesn't think has a chance and he's also used youth as well when he's had to as well which you know big thing about Wolves is over the past what well, since ever I've been watching Wolves since the nineties, we've always had a strong youth academy, and we've always encouraged managers to use it. So you know, we we're proud of the well development squad you call it now, isn't it? It's not reserves or whatever, but yeah. I'm still keen to be bringing players through and giving them a chance when we can do. Which is, you know, again, you know, there's a lot of perceptions about Wolves at the moment in terms of how much money we've spent, which are a bit incorrect anyway, and sort of you know if we've sold our soul, but you know, it's almost far from it. He's just evolved us more than anything else yeah and I still think you've got a it's easier just to plunge money into something you look at Middlesbrough and they've spent a, a good wad of cash and it hasn't been easy for them so it's not just a case of I mean we would love a bit of money don't get me wrong we've got yeah. bugger all but I mean, don't, don't get me wrong time. yeah it helps um, you know I think uh, with Wolves I mean last season was a bit odd because we had the new owners come in and they joined very late um, in terms of pre-season and we ended up getting rid of Jack I think it was a week before the season started mm-hmm. so they almost got rid of him as their first official act. But then it meant we ended up signing, I think, 11 players in the next four weeks in August. And it wasn't sustainable. Half the players were good, half the players were bad. And, that you know, we got rid of Zenga after three months and then had a caretaker manager for a month and then had Paul Lambert who sucked the joy out of the club. But we've implemented the loan system very well. I think, actually, you look at our signings from this season... Um, Neves costs, mm-hmm. what, 15 and a half in the end? Um, you know, yeah, 15, and, I think. And, you know, there, there's been a lot of uproar about that, but you say a song belonger to Middlesbrough costs 15. Um, it's, it's, uh, that, that, that's a rant from a different day, I guess. But, actually, yeah. you know, Diego Joss is only here on loan. Bonatini's only on loan at the moment. I think we'll probably end up signing him in January for about 5 million. But actually, the players who have come in, John Ruddy, in goal, you know, it's unfortunate to why he had to come to the club. Ryan Bennett, I think, conceded one goal or no, two goals now in 10 games for Wolves, came on a free. Barry Douglas, Scottish wing back, joined for about a million pounds and has, I think, got the most assists in the league so far. So, you know, there's been some quite shrewd signings there alongside some big spending names as well. And what's um, what's Ruben Neves been like? Because obviously he's the, the big money signing, but I mean, when you watch Wolves, you can see his quality but obviously it's not always one player that lifts an entire thing up and you've already sort of alluded to that as well what's he been like as, as an individual though? I think when I kind of read into him a bit when he joined the club uh, a lot of kind of Portuguese journalists were sort of quite keen to mention he's not a goal scoring midfielder you know, he's not a Frank Lampard. He's very much, uh, you know, sits in front of the back four. He's very industrious. So I think it kind of took Wolves hands a little bit of time to realise that, you know, he's probably not going to get more than five goals this season, I doubt. And he's probably not going to get more than about 10 assists. But he's the one who will set up the player for the assist. And it, there's been a couple of times where, you know, he's had very few very bad games for the club. But actually, if team if teams press him very hard, then we're in a bit of trouble because everything kind of flows through him. And he's happy to get the ball anywhere and everywhere on the pitch, which kind of shows how kind of good a player he is. But it's when teams kind of decide to step off him and he does punish teams. 
you know, just the way he kind of carries himself on the pitch and is, sounds stupid, but how kind of inventive he is with his passing. I think it was uh, against Bolton a couple of weeks ago and, you know, the ball came to him um, on the left-hand side and sort of anyone else would kind of open up their body and he kind of just took it on the outside of the right boot first time and flicked it down the channel to uh, set up the goal. And there's been very few players who've kind of controlled a midfield like that for once I've seen. But actually, again, like with a lot of our foreign signings, and now we're into uh, the cold, dark days of winter, he's someone who's not afraid to get stuck in as well. You know, he missed the Blues game because he was suspended after getting five bookings. And, you know, he kind of gives it out just as much as he kind of takes it as well, which, you know, is almost quite pleasing to see. You know, he's not going to get intimidated. And, you know, if the pressure's piling on you know he, he, he seems like he's kind of a guy you could count on yeah yeah and that's what you want you want to see I mean in the championship I think you've got to have a certain level of I mean I don't know I'm not I'm not massively experiencing it but from my sort of four or five months of watching it so far you, you do have to have something about yourself you can't just come because you know reputations don't seemingly seem to be respected um, in any way shape size or form so for him to turn up and just act like he was this player that could just stroll around the pitch I don't think many championship teams would allow that they'd say that as a challenge so it's good that he can get stuck in for use but potentially bad for us you're completely right I mean when yeah. we got relegated in the 11-12 season to the championship um, and we had a lot of egos in our club it's a horribly similar situation to what you're in to be fair it's probably even worse for Sunderland considering the run you're on but actually we had lots of Premier League egos still at the club and there was a lot of division because a new manager came in after Mick McCarthy and a few players came in and the, you know, the dressing was essentially divided um, between some of the old Premier League boys and some of the new guys and if, if a team doesn't fancy it or a couple of players in your team aren't up for the fight teams will punish you we've lost three games this season and we lost to Cardiff who got in amongst us and will probably compete for promotion but they're a very physically strong team and we weren't adjusted for it at that point we lost to Sheffield United when we were down to 10 men at, for about 75 minutes and you know we didn't turn up but actually the most interesting loss we had was to QPR who actually just worked us really hard and they caught us on enough day because I know what it was, but the players just weren't up for it. And it's kind of as simple as that. You know, it doesn't matter what, you know, how much you sign players for, or what divisions they've played in. If you don't fancy in this league, you know, anyone can beat anyone. It can be a bit of a reality shock to teams coming down from the Premier League. And it took us another relegation, scrapping every pretty much all of our players and playing it half our uh, youth team and getting back up to the championship to realise that. It's really interesting you should mention that because I've literally just wrote an article yesterday that went went on our website about how it's actually not the young lads or the team that's letting us down. It's actually the senior pros like Cadamo, O'Shea, McGeady, Coney. That that's who are letting us down this season, and it's it's almost like they don't fancy it. And it, you kind of hit the nail on the head referring to like Wolves' team when they came down in 2011. And obviously, I know you went down 2013 to like League Two. And I sometimes I, I don't buy into the we need to go down again, but at the same time, it's it what you said is scarily similar to what we're yeah. experiencing right now. The way I can't see it is the only experience Catamol, O'Shea, Kone, for example, over the last three seasons is failure. You know, they, they've only got a losing mentality at the moment. Yeah. You know, it, it's all well and good having 30,000-year-old John Shea who's played in the Champions League. <laughs> yeah. But he's played in a Sunderland team who's been losing religiously. And, yeah. you know, if that's all he knows in a team, and it's pretty hard to say, well, we're just going to buy players who are winning because that's, that's difficult. But I think of all of football fans, and you can't exactly put all of the youth team in, but I'm right in thinking he's injured now, but the likes of Duncan Watmore, 
who you know in, in the bits I saw of him in the Premier League he pl- he was playing for something and that's what you want to see as a fan I can, you can cope with him losing week in and week out but you can't you can't put up with sort of half-heartedness can you you can't and it's funny you should mention it because you've got people like O'Shea Catamore and, and you know we, we've just spoken about the players there before and, and there is almost like a there's a there's a big myth at Sunderland I don't know if it's a myth I don't know that there's a, a rotten core but there is a certain section of players that just don't sort of perform for us and no matter which manager we bring in and, and whatnot they always seem to remain the kind of the centerpiece of the club and the ones that have done the best for us have been you know the younger players so far the likes of I mean Honeyman's very inconsistent but the mm. fact that he gives you that extra sort of 25% in effort I mean he's come out the season with four goals um, which is as many as McGeady's got and truth be told Honeyman's nowhere near the quality of, of McGeady in terms yeah. of genuine talent but Honeyman fancies it McGeady doesn't mm, no definitely that's kind of it's half the battle isn't it and you know yeah. the championship's a bit of an odd league and I think some not Huddersfield prove it you can get promoted even if you're not a particularly amazing side if you work really hard and want it more than everyone else yeah yeah I think so you know it's uh you'll get found out in the Premier League don't get me wrong but actually to make any effort you've got to want it which thankfully Wolves seem up for it I think when it comes to um your side as well it's weird you you haven't mentioned them so far but I like to look through sort of former players that are currently in your squad that we've got because we've kind of gone through so many players in the past few years due to the change of managers and I noticed um Alfie Alfie and dies at your club is he getting the game at the moment he played uh yesterday with Neves being suspended he's almost the third choice midfielder he's a bit of a odd one because physically he's you know he's peak you know he's a, yeah I mean he's a walking yellow card probably could have got sent off yesterday I think after he squared up to one blues play and then after he got pushed away he kind of threw one to the ground and you think oh god but you know when he started he's chipped him with a few crucial goals as well but I'm not sure how a system really fits him I think it needs to be him and Neves rather than him and Saif because it's a bit too defensive mm-hmm. but at championship level he is he is strong his passing's not amazing you know considering yeah. how keeping the ball but yeah again he's someone who's only on loan yeah, and he's good but if we were to get promoted this season I wouldn't be disappointed if we didn't sign him the interest is sort of seeing him in a different championship side but you know he's got a big engine on him and you know he's one of the reasons why we did win yesterday but he's also one of the reasons why we probably couldn't get any more and we kind of did lose a little bit of uh, focus second half in the possession so yeah, he's a bit of an odd one but you know he, he's he's almost brought on to see out games at the moment which probably isn't great for him long, mm-hmm. but you know he's got to prove that he's somehow better than Neves or Sace which is proven quite hard at the moment it's quite interesting as well because Alfie was only here for about six months. Um, he was brought in by O'Neill and then when De Canio came in, he, he popped them off on loan to Betis, I think. Oh, yeah, it was Betis on loan and then by the time De Canio went, poor yet was in. So he actually went through a succession of like three managers, but he's kind of got like a, a weird cult hero, almost sort of a status here in the, in the fact that he was not here long enough, but he was uh, like certain games, like winning at Newcastle at St. James's. So he's kind of got like a bit of a cult hero status and you know it's funny I mean the one position I think we're lacking this season is definitely in the midfield and someone like Alfie would probably be a bit of an asset for us at the moment whether he's the the, the man to bring in but our midfields are that poor we could probably do with someone who's got a bit of an engine No I, I could see that because you know he's got a lot of energy and a lot of work rate and you know he 
you're someone who kind of live and die for the cause, probably in sort of a midfield that isn't particularly strong. You can see him, you know, as uh, I'd be interested to see him in another championship side because I think he's playing week in, week out, you know, especially if he's got the opportunity to get forward as well. Because he's got a couple of well taken goals as well. And like, I thought when he first kind of came, I thought he's just all physicality and he's in there basically to stop our fancy players from getting the shit kicked out of them yeah. um, but you know he's got a bit about him as well and I think you can see sort of why he's kind of got say, a bit of a cult following you know, it's funny we kind of touched on this a little bit before I did kind of want to ask 2013 you've got relegated to League One so you know the position that we're in at the moment you've pretty much touched on it without me even asking but do you, do you think from an outside perspective that Chris Coleman's the man to stop our slide and do you have any like advice as a Worlds fan who's experienced exactly what we're experiencing at the moment and how to handle what we have on our hands at the minute it's difficult really I think I'm kind of undecided about Chris Coleman I, I, I don't fully know how good a job he did with Wales I mean he he did you know he, he did bring the squad together after Gary Speed's uh, passing and that's kind of got to be commended and you know for them to qualify for Euros back in 16 fantastic the big question mark is how much is uh, well how much was, was that was Gareth Bale and I think that's the part of the car still sticks with me he seems to have done pretty well uh, since he's kind of joined the club I mean with Sunderland anyway I think the, the biggest issue for yourselves is the kind of consistent turnover of managers you know they kind of have a, a life expectancy of about 18 months tops and it, you know it's almost like one of those where uh, do you trust him if you do get relegated, almost say, well, it's not his fault and you can rebuild the squad, even if it's kind of almost up from the ashes, so to speak. I know when we got relegated a second time, we brought in Kenny Jacket, who was very knowledgeable about League One and it's his bread and butter. He pretty much just bombed out. Yeah, it was pretty much everyone who played in the Premier League. Um, I think he kept Doyle around because we didn't have a replacement, but as soon as we did, he put him on the transfer list to get him off the wage bill. Um, you know, he kind of very much made it a non-ego football club. Even hard-working players who I'd have liked to see say, someone like Stephen Ward, who is still playing Premier League football, bear in mind, what, four years on, he was on the transfer list. And, you know, that's a big statement to make. I think once we got relegated a second time as well, and this probably goes a little bit underappreciated as well, is the club did a lot to work with for fans um, in terms of sort of making yeah. sure, they, you know, because you, you get relegated twice and it's kind of alluded to, it's it's hard to keep in love with a team like that. You know, it's soul-destroying, mm-hmm. you know, you've gone for, in two seasons, you've gone from playing at Stamford Bridge to Gillingham away. And, yeah, yeah. you know, like it is tough but actually you know the club did quite a lot in terms of sort of engaging with fans to build it build a relationship back up with them because they say they've got more time actually they're in a more you know the spotlight's not on them as much and from our own personal experience you know it meant that the club have engaged more with things like our podcast (laughs) not to say that they'll have to do that with yours but you know it's simple things like that and yeah and as I said we also sort of played quite a lot of our youth players I think in sort of those first couple of games back kind of we promoted Danny Bart who was a local lad as captain we had Carl Akimi and got a local lad we had Jack Price Lee yeah. Evans joined six months before but he was only 18 David Davis was still young you know there was a lot of young talent that was kicking around the club and I think how I kind of appreciate it anyway most good development squad players can play you know can play at League One level so actually if you've got young guys coming through the squad uh, like um, sorry was it Honey Glenn no Honeyman's there 
Um, and what more of these fit and a couple of other players like that it's not that hard a division I didn't find you know even players who've got some fairly big fundamental flaws seem to have just coasted through it alongside a few of older experience heads as well so someone like Sam Ricketts who was a decent good championship player I think he joined us when he was 32 he played a couple of seasons Premier League as well he played under jacket about a decade before came into the club as vice captain and you know it was almost like they had a new older head to look at so instead of you know say uh, our yeah. John O'Shea was Roger Johnson if you know what I mean like he he was like a bit you know yeah. a massively divisive figure he didn't leave the club for about six months but he was training by himself and they got in Sam yeah. Ricketts he was coming towards his tail end of his career and he was fantastic for us in League One you know proper old fashioned defender who'd play anywhere across the back four as soon as we kind of got to the championship though his legs weren't there but that was fine and the club were able to sort of move him on about a year later yeah and I mean it's funny you should mention that I kind of almost feel I, mean, I don't want to go down I definitely definitely don't and I, I kind of weirdly think we won't but I think you know maybe we're building in an hour in this league getting through this season maybe just keeping our heads above water with Coleman and then sort of getting rid of the O'Shea's and the Catamoles and the Billy Joneses of, of our side and bringing in a few of the younger boys and maybe getting some people that Coleman knows mm. from maybe the Wales set up or maybe his previous clubs to kind of like be the experienced head as you say in, in the side that isn't the experienced head that's been with us for five six seasons and consistently lost at the core of our squad is like a bunch of losers it feels horrible to say but it's true yeah the thing is harsh but probably fairly fair you say you can move them on it frees up a wages because I can't imagine sort of players like Casamola and Shea being on small amounts of money but it, it it creates opportunities for either other guys in the squad to step up or new guys to come in and sort of recreate something because you know it's easy to get how big a club Sunderland are Got massive infrastructure massive stadium massive supporter base and, you know there's there's no reason why stadium like can't sort of be full and Sunderland can't be challenging because as I say anyone can get promoted Huddersfield has proved that um, you've just got to want it yeah that, that, that's kind of how I, I feel from the outside and uh, like looking in at the squad we've got like we should be challenging more but I think mentality is a big big thing and uh, I think you've kind of hit the nail on the head with a lot of stuff probably because you've been there before yeah. you've probably experienced the same sort of thing but obviously I did want to get your thoughts on the match and possibly a prediction what what I mean I think we know Wolves are going to win um, <laughs> but anyone you're worried about in our team <laughs> um, I mean it's interesting because we've been linked with a loan move for Lewis Graben in the transfer window it's um, mm, alright you know I think he's someone who a few years ago when he was at Bournemouth did really well in this division and when I think he was at Norwich he did quite well he seems to have kind of he's kind of joined the line of sort of championship running for mill championship strikers but you know I know he was Sunderland I think there's still some half decent names in there who can probably sort of turn on a display if they choose to I guess I mean with Wolves I I, I don't think it's a question well I'd like to think it's not a question of if we win but say how kind of many but I think we've won six on the bounce now and the run's got to end at some point and in a way I always fancy Chris Collins to do a bit of a job on us you know just just in terms of sort of how he kind of went about with Wales in terms of you know effectively playing like a 5-3-1-1 or something I can see him trying to do something similar on Saturday and really kind of working Wolves hard and trying to get stuff on the counter attack so it, I've got a feeling it's not going to sort of be a sort of a 5-1 thrashing like it was against Bolton who were poor and yeah. they I think that with Wolves it's almost felt like and I think if we score inside the first 15 minutes it's going to be a 2-0 3-0 win 
it's when the game kind of gets going on and on and on. And thankfully, in this run of six games, I've, you know, I don't have it in front of me, but I'd be amazed if we didn't score inside the first 15, 20 minutes on any of them. After the first five minutes, we've just we're just hegging teams back and if Sunderland are able to withhold that which I'm not sure they will be but you know I, personally I think it's probably going to be a 2-0 Wolves win like, yeah. I think it's all about confidence for us at the minute and I think most of the fan bases wrote Wolves off Wolves away is a, a defeat mm. I'd like to think we could do something. We need to start picking up points from somewhere, but it shows you how demoralised we are that we'd almost take a, a non-heavy defeat yeah, and, and get towards the more winnable games, I think. But, you know, you never know. We're, we're actually better away from home, strangely enough, um, and have been for quite some time. So there's this anyone can be anyone in this league, and that, that's kind of almost the beauty of it. And I think there's going to be one result where we turn someone over. I don't think it'll be Saturday. I really don't, but I'd like to think so. And you never know with football day. This division doesn't have lots and lots of quality in it, but it almost makes it a bit more entertaining, a bit more exciting. You know, from a, yeah. you know, it's, it's hard for me to kind of look at it from a neutral point of view. But, you know, say QPR have beaten Wolves and Sheffield United this season. They were second, yeah. first and third. And they're, I think, about 17th or something. The league can kind of throw it up. You know, it makes it more of an interesting league. But sometimes you're the one who gets beaten. And that time it's, uh, it sucks a bit. Yeah, well, we've been used to it this season as well. But thanks for coming on, Rich. Being good yeah. having a wee chat. It feels like there might be a bit of light at the end of the tunnel after having a chat with you, which I was hoping you were going to say yeah. and, and advise us on uh, how you get out of this shitstorm. And hopefully... Hopefully, in a couple of years' time, we're sitting in the position you're in, but you never know with someone. Oh, yeah. Well, thanks very much, Rich. Um, that's episode two done. We might probably catch up with you later on at the end of the season. And hopefully, we're talking about Sunderland not being in the relegation zone. And possibly, you'll probably be champions by that point, but you yeah. never know. Yeah, never know. But sounds good to me, mate. <laughs> Look after yourself, Rich. Thanks yeah. for coming on. Oh, good. So, uh, join us next week when we'll be talking to a Fulham fan. Got the Fulham game at home, another home game, which none of us really look forward to, but hopefully. Hopefully we're chatting about a win or at least a positive performance against Wolves. Um, see you then. Normally being a little extra can be a bit much, but when it comes to healthcare, it pays to be extra. And United Healthcare makes it easy with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they supplement your primary plan, helping you manage out-of-pocket costs without the usual requirements and restrictions like deductibles and enrollment periods. So when it comes to covering your medical bills, you can feel good about being a little extra. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.